Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. You can stop and you can be seated. I have a $100 bet with myself that I can do this without crying. $100 on the table. Nope, I don't care. You can yell all you want. $100, that's 100 bucks. So, so a friend wrote me last night and said somebody had called her and asked, said, uh, it's almost time for Lent. What are you going to give up? And she said, first of all, I'm Pentecostal. There ain't nothing left to give up. <laughs> I thought I needed to start off with something semi-funny. If you have Catholic roots, I hope you don't get offended by that. Because we Pentecostals, <laughs> we've given up a few things, right? Wow, it's great to be here today, not limping. The last three days since I got really bad news on Thursday, uh, I have felt really good. I feel almost healed, actually. And uh, so it's really good to be here. Good to see all of your beautiful faces. I've actually been up in the office since about nine, so I've seen all of your faces. Those of you that were on time. I just had to leave, leave the, the, the fact that I'm still the daddy of this house. Because I was standing up in my window listening to some amazing worship, crying my eyes out, getting it all out. And thinking, man, I want to be in church every week. And I come expecting. And uh, I've been listening to this song, We Need a Move of God. And we do. We need to be so touched by God that we run to the house of God with expectation that God's going to show up. Don't wait until you get a diagnosis to get passionate about the things of God. Don't wait till you need a miracle to want a miracle. I love the house of God. And I love you. So I'm going to preach. I'm supposed to be sitting down, but I'm going to, uh, I want to talk to you this morning and make a declaration that God is still good. Amen. Matter of fact, if you believe that, I want you to stand to your feet and I want us to give an ovation to God that he's worthy of. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you this morning. 
I thank you for helping me today to feel strong, to know that I know that you are a good, good God. You're a good God to Dr. John Cologne. You're a good God to Gabriella and her folks. You're a good God to Miss Shirley Plumer. You're a good God to Joey Reichart. You're a good God to George Brantley. You're a good God to all of us, whether we're in health or need a miracle. And we bless you. We honor you. Father, I just pray today for a fresh anointing to be able to speak and encourage this house, my house, with your word. Be glorified in the midst of your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Next week, uh, I don't know if y'all have that, if you can throw it up real quick. Next week, we have a good friend coming to minister. He'll be flying in on Friday at his expense, all the way from Seattle, Washington, uh, to minister to us. His name is Pastor James Ludlow. Coming all the way from Seattle. If you could find that picture. Do y'all have that picture? Do they not have that picture? They do have that. There he is. So last night I've been harassing Jim James uh, uh, for a few days about a picture. And uh, so last night um, his wife, <laughs> his wife sends me a picture. And I thought it was of somebody else. It was just this really good-looking young guy with this V-shaped body, no shirt on the top. And uh, he said, my wife wants to know if this is okay. <laughs> and then I, I actually went down to the face and realized it was James another lifetime ago. <laughs> I said, no, that wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> But uh, Pastor James, how many of you went to Peru with us this summer? You know Pastor James, mighty man of God, powerful. He's coming with a word uh, for me and a word for this house. And so he is coming in here as his own expense, will not let me receive an offering for him, just wants to bless you. So I want to encourage you to be here, be on time, invite all your friends, everybody that's not here today, call them and tell them they need to be here next week because he's coming uh, to be a blessing to our house, and he has a word. His, his wife, a few years ago, was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, double um, breast cancer, and um, he went outside and screamed. I said, you were yelling at God? He said, no, I was just yelling, and uh, but they stood in faith and fought the good fight of faith, and today she is completely, totally healed, cancer-free. For those that haven't heard the report yet, Dr. John Cologne is cancer-free. Hallelujah! Woo! Yeah! Gabriella is getting out of the hospital this week. I'm declaring by Thursday. She is doing amazing. This little 12-year-old child blesses me as much as anybody that has ever touched my soul. Every, I'm not going to do it. $100 on the line. I should have brought $100. Not going to do it. Thursday evening after we got a report that we didn't want. Uh, 
And Connie found out about it. Within an hour, I got a video from Gabriella. She sends me the most incredible videos. And uh, she just declared the word of God over me and uh, spoke life. And uh, I don't know what God has in store, TJ, for your little girl, but she's going to touch lives. She's going to make an impact on this world. I hope no more of our children have to go through that to experience God in the way that she has. I want us to develop a culture for our children that they will hunger for God. They will experience a move of God. It will not take leukemia. It will not take any other disease to wake us and stir us to the things that matter most. And so I rejoice over what God is doing in Gabriella's life. God's doing a great work in a young man, Joey Reichart, grew up in this house. And uh, I love Joey. He's coming to my house in the morning. We sit and just have talks. We don't have to talk about our cancer. We don't have to talk about what we're going through. We talk about how good God is. And he brings me a really good smoothie every time he comes to visit. So Joey's coming tomorrow. But Joey is just walking out amazingly. Uh, his faith, and uh, so many others in this house. And at the end of the service this morning, we're going to take some time to invite God to touch our lives. We're going to worship God through our circumstances and our battles. Some of you are going through things that are not physical in nature. Your trial or struggle or battle is, uh, is different than mine, uh, but it's still your battle. And I want to tell you something. I am learning to worship God in the midst of the battle. I'm learning to worship God and to honor him when in the natural, things don't look good. I don't know about you, but I've had maybe one, maybe two pity parties in the last four months. And God has told me it's okay. Because in the natural, in the natural, things are real. And in the spiritual, things are real. And it's okay to be there for a little bit. It's just not okay to live there. You got to shake yourself and stir yourself and tell yourself and remind yourself that God is still good. He is good all the time. In the midst of the battle, when you're in the fire, there, <laughs> there will be a fourth man standing in the battle. There will be. See, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through the fire. It just means he's going to show up when you're in it. Doesn't mean the floods are not going to rise up and try to drown you. It's just he's going to step in the boat and say, it is okay. Because he's good all the time. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about my journey of faith. I've learned a lot in the last four months. And I'm hot up here. If somebody could turn some air on, it would be great. Or is it just me? I might have to come out of this jacket and... And that's not a pretty sight because I've gained about 18 pounds since I went home. I got on steroids. I didn't want to eat what was in the fridge. I wanted to eat the fridge. 
like every day I'd walk by the mirror and like, my God, I'm getting big. <laughs> so I fasted for the last, no, I didn't. I'm just kidding. I should have. I want to just say a few things, though, before I share some scripture. First of all, I am thankful to Father God who has sustained me. In the midst of it, he has shown himself mighty. In the midst of good news, he's there. In the midst of discouraging news, he's still there. He's faithful. He is faithful. Does anybody know who sings that song, uh, We Need a Move of God? What is it? Is it a she? No, it's the, it's the other. Tasha, what is it? Cobbs. If you haven't heard that song, now if you're black, you're going to love it all the way to the end. If you're white, you're going to probably, somewhere about halfway through, you're going to go, okay, how many times am I going to sing this? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> now, now, I found out recently, can I tell y'all a little secret? So at Christmas, our kids gave Suzanne and I the 23andMe DNA thing. So I went ahead and did mine. And my entire life, I've been told I was 80% Indian. <laughs> Matter of fact, no, I'm not lying. When we were young, we were told that the Brantley family uh, on my dad's side was a part of the Cherokee Indian nation and that we were supposed to inherit all of this great wealth from the whatever. I, I mean, I was told that my whole life. So I do the 23 and me. <laughs> And, and I find out I'm 97% European, <laughs> British, and Irish. And I am American Indian 0.0. <laughs> Hold it. But I also found out, come on, you black folks, I'm 2% African. Yeah, I always knew I was. I had some African in me. And, and hold, hold it, hold it. Nigerian at that. Woo! Two <laughs> percent. I don't know how much two percent is of me, but it's not in my dance feet. That's for sure. It's in my heart. I don't know where I was going with that story. Well, <laughs> Oh, the song. Oh, yeah. This song is powerful. And I've been listening to it. I've listened to it five times this morning. It is just a cry that we need a move of God. Ironically, a couple days ago, we got a text from our good friend who hasn't been here in years, Kent Henry. And Kent connected with Pastor Tad and said, I'd like to come and just... He's been following my emails. He said, I just want to come and just have a night of worship and just go deep. And I was thinking, wow, we need a move of God. We need a move that is so deep it will impact us for the rest of our lives. Our children need an impact from God. Our nation is in troubling, difficult times, got fear of everything under the sun, but I tell you, when we can get a hold of God, 
that no matter what we're going through, he's going to be there in the midst of it with us. Our families need a move of God. Divorce has got to stop in the house of God. Children leaving their homes and leaving their families and leaving their faith has got to stop in the house of God because what's happened is they've got a lot of church, but they haven't had a move of God in their life that'll so impact them that no matter what hell throws against them, they will not forsake the one true love of their life. I sat with a man recently who has so much pain in his life and he just just four-letter words just come out of his mouth like, and this young man used to walk with God, used to be in the ministry, and he's, he's hurting. And Suzanne and I just made a commitment. We just started, we've just started praying, God, he doesn't need any more religion. He needs a move of God so impactful in his life that he will run back to the Christ of his youth and pursue God and let God heal the depth of the pain of his heart. Because it's the only thing that can truly heal and touch our lives. So I am thankful to God who has sustained me. I'm thankful for my incredible wife. who carries this every bit as much as I do. Matter of fact, I'm grateful today that I'm the one walking in this because I think it would be more painful for me if she were walking through it. But she stands with me as though it is her own. And I would like y'all to honor my wife. I love you, baby. I'm not looking at you. (laughs) I'm thankful for my family, my sons, my daughters, my grandkids. Right now, about the only people I'm touching besides my wife are my grandchildren. And uh, obviously, you know, it's very important that I just don't get any of these junk that's flying all over the place and viruses and pneumonia and I've been in the ER, uh, I don't know, two or three times over the last few weeks, been swabbed. My gosh, if I never have to be swabbed again, that's why my nose is just pouring. They just jam that thing all the way up into your eye socket, through your nostril. My goodness. If you didn't have something before they did it, you got something after they did it. I was in the ER a week ago in the hospital for uh, 24, 36 hours, and and this nurse comes in, and, and we had been talking, military guy, Air Force guy. We're telling stories. Jess is there with me. She's just rolling her eyes. And, and, uh, and he walks out. He comes back in. And Jess, without even warning or anything, he just comes right up. And I think he's going to just say something to me. And he just takes this stick and just jams it up the nostril. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And then he brings it out, and he brings another one up the other side. I'm like, that is not even Christian right there. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I'm thankful I didn't have the flu nor pneumonia, and uh, 
I am getting well, but uh, I'm thankful for all of my family, my grandkids who I get to kiss on their foreheads and the top of their heads, and uh, they, they, uh, whether you know it or not, I hope you do, family's everything, and uh, everything. Uh, I don't want to leave out anybody in my family, but I want to say a really uh, special thank you to my daughter-in-law, Jessica, uh, who is a nurse, uh, who has blessed Suzanne and I by going to all of our appointments at the hospital, enduring three days of evaluations, um, explaining everything to me that the doctors uh, tell me, because all my doctors are from somewhere else in another world, and I, I need translation and interpretation to uh, know what they're saying to me, but uh, the fact that she also understands uh, what is happening, and uh, it's been a real strength to me, so I won't look at you either, Jess, but I love my Ollie and my Steph just as much. I just right now have really needed Jess, and she has been there, and uh, I appreciate it. You girls, you are okay, that, aren't you? I love you, Ollie, too. You're amazing. I can't imagine Steph or Ollie wanting to be with me at the hospital, but uh, Jess is just, uh, you would be? You would want to be? Okay, next time we'll call you. Because I'm going to just go ahead and humble myself here. The other day, we're going through these evaluations, and I'm getting a bone marrow biopsy, and my wife just begged off. She said, honey, please, if you don't mind, just want to step outside. So so uh, I said, okay, Jess says, dad, you mind if I stay? Of course not. You're a nurse. So, you know, the last time I, the first one I'd had, they laid me over sideways properly, had the sheet over everything. My wife's behind me, you know, and she's seen everything, so it doesn't really matter. And... Uh, and so now we're in the, is that too personal, Jamie? <laughs> and, and, so, and so we're in this room and the doctor, the, the PA's on one side, she's doing everything. She doesn't have a nurse, so Jess says, hey, if you need any help, you know, I'm a nurse and just let me know. And, and so I'm like, just stay there, Jess. And so, so I'm laying on my side like this, you know, expecting everything to be over there. And next thing I know, she says, I need you to lay on your stomach. And so I'm up on my pillow like this. The next thing I know is like, poop, there goes my shorts. I'm dying. I am dying. My daughter-in-law. And, and I just go, sorry, Jess. I was like, that just ought not to happen. So <laughs> that was way more painful than the needle that long that went into my hip and into my bone. But uh, actually, I don't know if it really was. That was pretty painful. Uh, but uh, Jess said, Dad, it's okay. And uh, so I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to uh, all of my pastors who have just risen up. They've done a phenomenal, phenomenal phenomenal. My sister uh, texted me last night or yesterday or the day before something. And anyhow, she's saying, hey, I finally got to go online and watch uh, uh, Nathan preach. And she's just bragging on Nathan. And how many times has he preached on? She said, and that other little uh, Spanish little Cuban boy, uh, man, he was really good too. <laughs> Sorry, Hector. I said, well, he's actually uh, Dominican, and, uh, and <laughs> Hector said, we're all Cubans. <laughs> but uh, she was just talking about, she's been watching our services, and uh, she's watching now. Hi, sis. It's your fault. You're the one that said it. Uh, 
I also want to say thank you to all of my team, my staff, the school staff. Everybody has just uh, taken all of the pressure off of me, and I've been able to uh, try <laughs> to not think about the things that I have no ability right now to deal with, um, which is one of the reasons I ended up in the hospital last week. Um, I was trying to deal with something that I didn't have the grace to deal with, and uh after uh, dealing with it, I, th- I, I was fine. I thought I was fine. Next thing I know, my uh, blood pressure had uh, jumped up to, um, what was it, Jess? It was, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was uh, 214 over 110. And I ended up being taken by Jess to the ER, <laughs> where I spent the next 36 hours having uh, my heart tested and uh, to be told exactly what I knew. My heart was great. The heart wasn't the problem. Uh, Stress was the problem. And uh, so I got rebuked by my wife, my daughter, uh, my pastors uh, to stay away from things that I didn't need to be trying to deal with right now. And so I'm really grateful for all of my team and uh, for their grace and ability in my absence to serve you, the people of God, faithfully. I want to say thank you to all of you. I honor God for allowing Suzanne and I to be, to do life with you. We're better together than we could ever be by ourselves. And I, I, there's no place in the world I'd rather be in the midst of this battle than right here uh, with you guys. You're encouragement, your letters, your cards, your texts, your emails, your food. Oh, sweet Jesus. You're the reason I've gained 18 pounds. Y'all send enough food for like 20 people, and it's just Suzanne and I. And I have to admit, I can do leftovers once, possibly twice, but then it's over, okay? So um, thank you. You can back down a little bit, those of you that send in a food for an army. But uh, wow, you are some amazing cooks, and I understand why so many of us have to fight problems. And <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But your emails, your texts, uh, they mean the world to me. And uh, some of you say, well, I don't have your phone number. I can't text you. You can send letters to the church. I don't think I can afford any more people texting me right now. Sometimes it's hours of reading, and it does bless me. Um, But I always feel guilty because I want to respond, and then that wears me out. Uh, So um, thank you. You can send all the letters you want, and I will read every one of them. And every once in a while when I get to come, I'll tell you thank you. I can't write you all back. Um, But know that I love you. Know that your words speak life to me. They encourage me. in, in the dark times, I, I am so blessed by your love, by your support, and, and I've been overwhelmed by it. I've been humbled. Friends from all over the world that are just reaching out to me now, and it, I have no words, but thank you. I truly am humbled by the amount of love and support that you show. So from me to you, I love you, I bless you, and I thank you.
All right, now I'm going to get into the word. In one of your favorite minor prophets, the book of Nahum. You read there often, right? Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, God is good, a hiding place in tough times. He recognizes and welcomes anyone looking for help, no matter how desperate the trouble. So whatever you're going through, you need to learn to stir yourself to say what God has already said about you. To speak words that God has already declared that will bring life to your spirit, to your soul, to the depths of your heart. That in the midst of trouble, and all through the book of Psalms, David writes and the other writers of the book of Psalms, they write these amazing songs of worship and praise, not mostly in victory. They write them in the midst of the battles. The struggles, the trials, the difficulties. They cry out, in my fear, oh God, you're there. In my struggles, oh God, you're there. Because when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, we are not promised a beautiful path of roses with no thorns. Thank God for the rose But be careful if you stick your nose too close. You might get pricked. But in the midst of all that we go through as believers, when we have been touched by God, we have the grace and the ability to in turn, turn and cry out, you are good, oh God, in my life. As I share a little bit of my journey of faith through this season. I can't but go back to the word to describe all that I walked through. Never in my life did I ever dream I would be in this place. Not when my sister got cancer and died. Not when my brother got cancer and died. Not when so many incredible people in this house have fought good fights and dealt with things. I never imagined. Matter of fact, a year and a half ago, right before my dad died, I was talking to my dad. And you know, you've been here, you know the journey we've gone on, you know, over just a period of a few years. I buried my brother, Buddy, I buried my mom first, then my brother, Buddy. Then we buried Suzanne's mom. And then we buried Cheryl. Then we buried Suzanne's brother, Rip. Then we buried my dad. And then we buried my older brother, Richard. And right before my dad passed, we were sitting there in one of those moments when he was clear-headed We talked about what he wanted. We talked about 
how he wanted to be remembered. One more time, I had to remind him that God had forgiven him and he needed to stop beating himself up because his latter years were far better than his former years. Because in those last four years of my dad's life, he went from being a taker to being a giver and bought thousands of Bibles that are spread all over the nation of Cuba. And I had to remind my dad, it's not how you began. Because I'll never forget one time sitting on the side of my dad's bed. He had the Bible open. He's reading the weeping Jeremiah, and he's weeping. And, and I come in, I sit down beside him, and, and he said, Son, I just want to tell you that I am so sorry that your mom and I divorced. Not once, not twice, but three times. That's not a joke. <laughs> For those of you that are new to our house, my, it's a long story. <laughs> and my dad said, you know, son, he looked right in my eyes and he said, <laughs> he said, if we would have had a preacher, a pastor like you, and we would have known and been taught the truth, I don't believe we would have ever gone down that path. I said, dad, we forgave you a long time ago. And everybody has forgiven you. And I said, all that matters is that you're going to stand in the presence of the Father and hear, well done. Well done. And as we sat there and we reminisced, and I said, Dad, I said, there, there's only going to be four of us left of our big, huge clan after you go to be with the Lord. And I said, where... I am and where my brother and where my two sisters are on their journey of life. I said, my heart's cry is that not one that's left, not one of my three siblings will end their life on this earth not right with you. My prayer is that wherever they are on their journey, they're going to find a touch of you, a touch of God in their life in such a way that they're going to run to the God of their childhood, including me. I wasn't leaving me out as though I was something and they're not. I was saying, Dad, I want our whole family to be in heaven together. Can't make anybody love God but God can touch lives no matter where a person is on their journey. And my cry is that religion will be set aside and a personal, deep relationship with Jesus the Savior will permeate all of our lives. But I remember saying, Dad, don't know who's going to be next. Why in the world I had to have this conversation? But I said, whether it's me next or my siblings, one day we're all going to leave this world and go through the door of death. I want to live my life in such a way that I'm never afraid of that door. Amen? Want to live your life in such a way that you are so surrendered to God that all you're going to be doing is stepping out of one realm into a realm that you can't even comprehend. You can't even imagine.
the goodness of God. And it doesn't matter who's next. All that matters is that between me and my three siblings and every one of us in this room is that we have a steadfast assurance that we have surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he alone is Lord of our lives. Amen? I challenge you in your walk. Do not wait until catastrophe hits to get serious about God. I'm so thankful that a few months ago when Suzanne and I got this diagnosis, I'm so thankful that our faith was not shaken. I'm so thankful for the peace of God that day in that room that that doctor looked at us and said, we are absolutely certain you have a blood disease called multiple myeloma. There's no cure for it. That our faith was strong. And it remains strong. In the middle of discouraging news, in the midst of hearing things that you're not ready for, in the midst of waking up and just feeling like garbage. You guys know me. I'm a doer. I'm a high D. I'm a fixer. I want to take care of this. Guess what I found out? There's some things I can't fix. Some things I can't deal with. Every week when I would go for treatment and I'd be reminded, we can't cure you. We can treat you. And I would say, it's okay. I know the one who can heal me. Amen. And I am standing on that. I'm not naive. I don't, I know I cannot fix me. But I know the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the blood that's running through my veins right now. My blood is tainted. My blood is fighting. There's a war going on. I've learned so much. White blood cells, they're fighters. I'm like, come on, white blood cells, come on. Let's do this. Let's fight. Know what the red blood cells do. Know what the platelets do. Man, I never wanted to learn all that stuff. People like JR and all you nurses are supposed to know that stuff. We're just supposed to ask you, get a summary. But, but if you want to know anything about blood today, come talk to me. <laughs> but I can't fix this blood. The highs and the lows every week of getting your lab work. This week it's good. Last week it was down. Next week it's going to believe for up again. And, and in the midst of it, learning to say, I trust my God in the midst of it. Because he is well able to do what only he can do. Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5. I want to read this because it has been life to me. It says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. What time do we get out of church here anymore? 
I'm here. If you need to leave, it, are you just helping me out? You're, you're amazing. No, no, keep playing, Sherrard. Hey, hey, I want you to give it up for this man. He's got an anointing on his life. Jamie has imparted into this man, and this man, you're anointed. Sherrard, I'm telling you, bro, you got an anointing. You're going to grow in that anointing in, on this stage. You're going to grow in the new building. You're going to grow in your anointing in that place. We got a new building going to be done in about two months. I would like to be there. I don't know if Juan's here. Probably Juan. If you can finish that building, son, by the end of April. Juan, would you just stand up so everybody can see you? Just go ahead, stand up, my brother. Y'all give it up for my man, Juan. Juan, if you can finish this building by the end of April, first week of May, I believe that I'm going to have the strength to be there to preach. Amen? But if not, we're going to move in that building when it's done. Because that building's not about me. It's always been about him. But I believe that God's going to do something. Not because it's a building, but because we're going to dedicate it for the sole purpose of inviting the presence of the living God into that place. We're going to have some midweek services. We're going to have some Saturday night services. We're going to have some we're going to have some whatever God leads us to do. We're going to have some healing services. We're going to have some miracle working services. We're going to have some debt breaking services. We're going to have some don't worry about the clock services. We're going to gather and say, "We need to move from God." And we're willing to stay here until we experience it in the fullness. I'm not supposed to be shouting this much, but the doctors aren't here, so I'm going to go ahead and just do it. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Can I, can, I just, can I just challenge you? You come to the house of God. Come early instead of late. And come expecting God to show up. Get out of your comfort zone and cry out. Something's about to happen, and I'm not going to be late because I'm going to miss out if I am. I'm going to press in. I was over watching the worship service this morning. The hands were raised. You were so beautiful from the back side of you. It's amazing how beautiful the backs of your heads are during worship. Hands were raised. People are crying out. I've loved the house of God almost my entire life. And I have to admit, I said, God, it's not fair. Because I want to be there. I want to be there. And I didn't start bargaining with God. I wanted to. 
I wanted to say, God, if you'll finish the work of healing, I promise you, I won't be late for church. I'm going to be there early. I'm, I might even come for worship practice because I just want to be in your presence with the saints of God. Why? Because I expect God to show up. I expect God to do what the doctors can't do for me. They can't do it. They can't do it. Imagine that for a moment. If, if some doctor tells you, we can't do anything but try to help you maintain fight a little bit, extend your life. I take it. I love the doctors. Come on, somebody. Give your hands applause for doc. I love our doctors. I love our nurses. I love our research people. I love the people that are creating medicines. Hear me. I'm about to start a new chemo on Tuesday that literally is going to go into my body and it's going to target the bad stuff. Come on, somebody. We're living in 2020. They cre created a medicine that literally will leave my good cells along and target the bad. I'm like, wow. Dr. Matt and Erica, who are the proud parents of a beautiful little girl, I talked to them last night. They're watching online, I'm sure, right now. So I'll tell you what I told them last night. Y'all got to leave your, you got to come home from, from work and leave your doctor hats at home because <laughs> your, your little girl's going to be stifled because they have so much head knowledge. They're so amazing. And we were laughing about it last night. I said to them, Dr. Matt, Dr. Erica, it's okay to let your baby cry. Some of y'all are like, oh my God, you shouldn't. It's okay. They're not, they're living. It's a good sound. But, but I asked Dr. Matt one day because Dr. Matt's a brilliant young research oncologist. And he specializes in a disease that I can't pronounce. That so far, I hope I'm right in this. I, 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 as far as I remember what he said to me, no child that has the disease that he works with has ever walked out of the hospital healed. And, and I'll never forget the day he told me that because it was Thanksgiving a couple years ago. They were having a dinner at our home for Thanksgiving and, and we have just a whole mass of people there and we were sitting outside and, and Matt looked a little down and, and I said, Matt, what's going on? And he said, well, we're about to lose a, a precious little one today. And sure enough, while we were eating, he got the phone call and the baby died. And he had to go to the hospital and be with the parents. And, and, and I said to him a few weeks later, I said, Matt, how do you go to work every day? He said, Pastor, every day when I back out of my driveway, I say, God, is, is today the day that you give me the wisdom to create a medicine that will begin to save these children's lives? Is today the day? Man, I thank God for amazing doctors that are giving their life. People that are administering it and loving it. And the ability to just continue to go there and love these families knowing that without a cure, their little baby is not going to live. That's pain that I can't imagine. Yesterday, I got a text from... This last week, I've actually gotten, got a phone call from a guy who says that we went to Bible college 
uh, 43 years ago together and he called my home and uh, he, he told me his name and he said, you remember me? And I said, dude, I'm sorry, I got chemo brain. I can't remember my own name most of the time. He, says, he said, well, let me read you a letter you wrote me while you were in Air Force basic training in Lackland uh, Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas in 1977. So what are you doing with a letter I wrote you in 1977, man? Is that all the life you got? You know? And he said, no, I just found it. And he reads me this letter and we start talking and, and just had an amazing, wonderful time. Went to Bible college for a semester together. And then uh, Friday night, I got a text from somebody I went to high school with. So I'm praying for you every single day. Matter of fact, she said, everybody that I know that you know knows now what you're going through and you're being prayed over in churches all over America. Come on, somebody. The prayer of the righteous availeth much. I am sustained and standing here today, feeling well in my body. I don't look too bad, do I? (laughs) Y'all are such good liars. Love you. That's why I love you so much. And then yesterday morning, I got a text from a young man that also I went to high school with. And the last time I saw him was 22 years ago when he had called me and asked me if I would come down to St. Pete to a children's hospital to pray for his son. And Perry Colmas, who was on our staff at the time, and I drove down and we prayed for this little boy. And I've often wondered what happened and how he was. And so my friend started sending me texts. We were texting back and forth and he sent me a picture of his kids and I said oh which one of these was the one that I prayed for and he said that was my son Dylan and he died in 20 in 2000 20 years ago at five and a half years of age and I wrote and I said Larry I am so sorry no parent should have to bury a child and he said this to me He said, George, I never want to forget the pain because it's what led me back to the Father. And he said, every day I remember my son, that precious little five-and-a-half-year-old boy that brought such joy to my life. And I'm thankful today that I know the Father because of the pain of what I walked through. God is still good. His little boy is in heaven. And one day he will be with him for eternity. That comforts the soul. So in the midst of the ups and the downs of life, the good, the bad, the highs, the low, God is still good. And he's good all the time. And his mercy endures forever. And his grace is sufficient to get us through whatever it is that we have to go through. Psalm, one last scripture. I have a bunch, but I'm going to just read one more. Is that okay? Psalm 103. says, oh, my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I will bless his holy name. See, it doesn't say anything in there about if everything's going good, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Matter of fact, in the, in the midst of the trouble and the trial, 
It's a great time to learn how to begin to say, God, but you are still good. Oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgave your sins, everyone. This is the message version. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell and saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in his goodness, beauty, eternal. He renews your youth. And in God, you're always young in his presence. I want to grow. I want to grow in my relationship with Father God. Not because I'm battling cancer, but in the midst of battling cancer, I want to know God deeper than I ever have. I want to be a part of that move of God. I believe I'm healed because God's word promises and declares it. And I don't have time to preach that whole message, but I believe that I'm healed, that I have a right to be healed because Jesus, on his way to the cross to die for your salvation, stopped long enough to have the hell beat out of him so we could be healed. We have a right as sons and daughters to be healed, to receive the healing touch of Jesus in our lives. I don't have the answers to all the whys and the why nots. Those don't even matter to me anymore. I just know this. If I can just live in his presence, in the fullness of his love and his power and his heart, if I can just trust him, that whatever days I have left on this earth, I'm not going to spend focusing on my sickness or my disease. I'm going to focus on telling somebody how good Jesus is, how good our God is. Have a lot of new friends come quite close to people I would have never known in my life. People that I sit by in chairs at the Florida Cancer Center. Many that are going through their battles all alone. Many that are hurting. And I'm saying, God, help me to encourage, to touch to take a hand of someone who has no hope in you here and no hope in you in eternity. Help me to share Jesus. Help me to not be in such a hurry to get what I want from God that I miss the opportunity to give someone else the opportunity to know him because of my pain I'm qualified to talk to them I wear the same 
blue ribbon around my wrist. I have a full head of hair today, and I'm okay even when I lose it. You might not be, but I will be because it's temporal. But touching someone with Jesus, that's eternal. Friday night, Suzanne and I ran into a dear friend, someone we've known for almost 30 years, who just a few weeks after I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, her husband was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. The last couple of months, he's lost 45 pounds. Last week, he stopped chemo. They called in hospice. But Art has faith in God. He believes that he's healed. He believes he's even going to walk it out. And hugging his wife the other night, realizing the pain in her life, her heart, she said, you know, he's lost 45 pounds and he's, but she said he believes. Matter of fact, Friday morning, she, she said he told her, tomorrow I'm going to go run cows. And she said, Art, you can't do that. He said, watch me. Tomorrow I'm going to go run cows. <laughs> See, sometimes you just have to step out in faith. When that's all you got left, just go ahead and step out in the faith that you have and the belief and trust God. You say, well, but what if he doesn't? He'll be in heaven. What if he does? What if he experiences something? I believe. It's my new two most powerful words I declare every day when I feel like, what's the Christian way to say? Crap. I look myself in the mirror and I say, I believe. I believe. I believe. See, some of you are not going through physical issues, but you're going through marital issues. You're going through financial issues. You're going through loneliness issues. You're going through suicidal thought issues. You're going through your own struggles and trials, and they're every bit as real as mine and Dr. John's and Gabriella and, and Larry and Shirley and others in this house. We got to get our belief system right, and we can only do that in his presence, in his word, and by his touch. A lot of people in this situation start bargaining with God. When I was in the Air Force another lifetime ago, I, I got sent to uh, jump school, Fort Benning, Georgia, in the Army. I was Air Force. Not too many guys were going through this particular training from the Air Force, and so I got there. and I was the only one, about 400 and something guys in my class we had a group of navy seals we had eight marines one air force guy and a whole whatever they call them in the army platoon of army guys about 350 and when i first got there as a believer overcoming fear and I wouldn't climb up a tree when i was a kid i had so much fear and here i was signing up send me major i'd like to go to jump school you realize you're going to get in a plane, it's going to go off the ground, it's going to go to 1,500 feet, and you're going to go out the door. Uh, sign me up. But aren't you the guy that's been driven by fear your whole life, wouldn't get in an elevator, afraid of escalators, wouldn't climb a tree with your siblings? 
Yep, that was me. But at some point, I said, God can take care of me up there as much as he can take care of me here. So when I got there, I just declared the word, declared the word, declared the word. And as soon as I got there, I, I said, well, do, do you have chapel on base? And they said, oh, yeah, we have airborne chapel. And so I'm in week one, haven't even started yet, going to start on Monday. I get there on Saturday, get into my dorm, and I go to find the chapel. And sure enough, there it is. And I walk in the door, and I'm absolutely shocked because the major who was the chaplain in the United States Army had been one of my professors at Southeastern Bible College. And he left a teaching position to go in the Army to be a chaplain. And I walk in and I introduce myself, said, you don't remember me? And he said, yes, I do. You played basketball at Southeastern. He said, what are you doing here? I'm in the Air Force now and I start jump school tomorrow. He said, well, welcome to chapel. It'll be real slim today. It's like, really? He's, oh yeah, it'll be real slim. There are about eight of us made it in and he had service, preached the gospel. And I asked him after service, why is it so slim? He said, oh, it'll grow. <laughs> so the next week, we made it through ground week. We had to jump off of a, a step. We had to learn how to jump, land, roll, lay on the ground, five balls of contact, and not break an ankle. And then we moved up to a second step and finally to about a four foot step and we were jumping. All week we were jumping, four feet, four feet, four feet. Next week we're going to tower week. So I got to chapel next Sunday, didn't have to go real early because I knew I wouldn't have to fight for a seat. There are about 50, <laughs> 50 of them showed up for, for tower week. I said, wow, we got revival. He said, no, this is my life. He said, about two weeks out of the month, I get a good crowd to preach at. He said, the first and the fourth is Slim Pickens. And so at Tower Week, we're now in a 34-foot tower, strapped. And we're jumping out this tower, learning how to jump. Six inches up, 36 inches out tower grabs us and rolls to the ground and you hit the ground and do the same fall that we had done a thousand times a week before. And we did it over and over and over again. And because I was the only fly boy, only Air Force guy, eight Marines, a whole squadron of Navy SEALs and 350 plus Army guys, those black cats were having a lot of fun with a fly boy. Oh, you like to fly. You're going to be first. I was first to everything. Jumped out of the 34-foot tower first, and then came the middle of the week when it's the 250-foot tower. And they bring this cable all the way down, and you stand there, and your knees are shaking, and, and the whole group, and they said, fly boy, where are you? Air Force, come on. And so they put me there, and they said, you like to fly, don't you? Oh, they were having a good time with me. They strapped me in, and they said, now we're going to take you all the way to the top, 250 feet. When we get to the top, we're going to stop. I'm going to talk to you on the, on the megaphone. And he says, when you understand what I say, you click your heels together. And then we're going to raise you on up to six more feet. And that cable's going to let you go. And you're going to float down to the ground. And you're going to land without breaking a, 
an ankle. Aren't you Air Force boy? Yes, Sergeant. And sure enough, boom, that cable went up. How you can be going up and your throat going down at the same time. (laughs) I can't even tell you how scared I was. Put it this way, if I had needed to go to the bathroom, I would not have been able. (laughs) I was tight. (laughs) I got to the top, they yelled something, and I clicked my, my heels together, and it went up, and I heard that release, and all of a sudden, man, I'm floating to the ground. Thank God, away from the towers. Sure enough, I land perfectly. Come on, somebody. Woo! Land, twist, roll. No broken ankles, jump up. Said, sir, would you like me to do it again? <laughs> they didn't appreciate that. <laughs> but one after another, they started going up. End of the week, Sunday comes, I head to chapel. Because next week, we're going to jump out of an airplane. It's jump week. Man, I get to chapel about five minutes before service. Five minutes early is ten minutes late. And there ain't no seat in the house. Man, all of a sudden, there's Navy SEALs, there's Marines, there's Army guys. They're praying every prayer and on demand. They got the, they got the beads, they got the, 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 the recorded prayers. They got, I mean, the Muslims, everybody was there. The Jews, everybody. didn't matter what your faith was. You were there praying all kinds of prayers. And man, they were bargaining with God. I sat there. And I was listening to some of these guys, and they were praying serious. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad. Yahweh, Yahweh. I mean, it didn't matter. They were just talking to their gods. If, if you'll let me live, <laughs> I will do something for you. Well, it got better than that, because next day it was jump week. And man, all of a sudden they line us up and I'm tired of being Air Force fly boy going first. So I just eased my way. (laughs) I was so smart. I just eased my way to the very back and I'm thinking, I'm gonna be right near the end. So if any of these boys do die, (laughs) they won't land on me. So so I get all the way to the back and all of a sudden those C-130s come in pulling up and they're loud and the smell and you got this parachute on your back and it's hurting and you do anything to get that thing off your back and you've had it on for about two hours. They put the parachutes on you and then march you down the road. They want you to be ready to jump. And so I, I ease my way to the back and all of a sudden they start loading and I go, oh, you are one dumb airman. <laughs> As I began to realize I'm the last one in. First one by the door. And they don't even close the door. They literally take the door off the C-130. I'm sitting there right by the door. We've been singing all week. C-130 rolling down the strip. Airborne daddy gonna take a little trip. Stand up, hook up, shuffle to the door, jump right out and count to four. If your shoot don't open wide, you got another one by your side. If that one don't blossom round, airborne daddy gonna splat the ground. 
<laughs> now I know why all those guys were in chapel <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> I'm sitting at the door. I watch that plane take off. I'm watching as the ground leaves us. And sure enough, we stand up, hook up, and shuffle to the door. And here I am at the door. And this sergeant, biggest man I ever stood by in my life, got his black hat on, got his helmet on, and he looks at me and he says, Airman, when that green light comes on, if you don't immediately jump up six and out 36, this size 14 boot is going to kick you out the door. Yes, Sergeant. I'm standing at that door. I'm shaking. I'm quoting Psalm 91, not missing a word. I got the King James Version. I got the American Standard Version. I got the NIV Version. I'm quoting them all. I shall fall and not break an ankle. <laughs> I mean, I'm quoting the Word of God. Well, the prayers behind me were like a crescendo. <laughs> they were praying. They were bargaining with God. I tell you all that to say in the last few months, I've been tempted to bargain with God. I've been tempted to say, God, if you, then I will. And he had me to remember that story. He said, you remember when you thought that was foolishness? I'm your daddy. You love your sons. You love your grandsons, your daughters, your granddaughters. You don't have to bargain with me. Just trust. Just hope. Because I have yet things for you to do. So in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. I know maybe we're a little late. I don't know. doesn't matter. So many prayers have been prayed over me. So many prayers have been prayed over Dr. John, over Gabriella, over others in this house that have particular battles. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. But before I do, I'm going to invite everyone that's in this house that's going through a battle in your life. You've been prayed over. You're standing in faith. The last couple of weeks, I have stopped praying and just started worshiping. I just started thanking God. Because as much as I love my sons, God loves me so much more. As much as I don't ever want my sons to beg me for anything, God doesn't want me to beg him. Just know who you are in Christ. And so when we stand in just a moment, I'm going to invite anyone in this room that's been going through a battle. I'm going to invite you to come and just stand up here. And I'm going to stand here as well. And then the worship team's going to come and we're going to worship over us that have needs. We're not going to pray again today, pray tomorrow for me, but today we're going to thank God that his word never changes.
doesn't return void. His word is powerful and mighty. And what Jesus did on the way to the cross when he took those stripes and the skin was ripped off of his back and he stood there with a crown of thorns on his head, he did all of that because he wants us healed. Later he died on that tree so we could be saved. But he took a whipping so we could be healed. And I believe what he did for me is mine to receive. It's mine. Whether I feel it, whether I see it, whether the doctors tell me, I believe that what Jesus said is rightfully mine. So I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to ask you not to leave for just a moment. We're going to be through in a minute. But if, if you're one of those, I want you just to come and line up here across the front, whatever that need is. Don't come all the way to the front. Just back up just like two steps. I want people to be able to come around you. Father, you're a good, good God. You're a great daddy. You're Abba, Father, in our lives. You loved us so much. You gave us Jesus. And Jesus was willing to come for our benefit. Not only to die on the cross, but to take a beating and a whipping that would have killed most men. He took that so that we could be the healed of the Lord. And I believe this morning, Father, that every one of us have a right to be the healed of the Lord. And so, Father, as we begin to worship, and as we sing this particular song of worship, I'm inviting, Father, your presence to fill this place. That we will lift up our hands in faith, overcoming our pain, our affliction, our sickness, the, the, the facts that have been spoken over us and declaring that Jesus Christ and what he accomplished in his word is more powerful than the facts that the doctors have spoken. When they say there's no cure, Jesus, you are our healer. When they say that it can't be done, Jesus, you declared it could be done. And you took that whipping for us. Now I'm going to invite as many of you as want to come up and just either get in the front of these or behind these. Prayer partners, you can come. Just, I, I want this to be filled with those who have faith to believe the impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. If you believe that and you want to worship over us, 
the hurting, the sick, the afflicted. Step out right now. Come, come quickly. Fill around this place, front and back. Let us see. It's not about you any longer. This is about we're going to worship God over the pain and the affliction of the world. You are a good, good, a good God. Lift up your hearts. Lift your hands if you so desire. And just receive this morning as this team leads this house to worship the King of Kings. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.